Hi, this is Don Thompson, and this is going to be another random podcast thought. The reason I do these is that once in a while I, I get an idea that sticks in my brain, and I I ruminate over it, and, and it seems to me that other people may be thinking the same thing. I figured I would just talk about this particular idea a little bit, and I'm going to title this podcast, Are Humans Relevant Anymore? It has to do with the rise of artificial intelligence. What that means, what it can mean uh, in the future. I have to say, first off, I have written a little bit about this subject. Uh, going back many years, I, I, in fact, wrote a book about technology in the early 1990s that dealt with artificial intelligence and the potential rise of artificial intelligence. Although at that time, uh, artificial intelligence, AI, did not really take off as expected for a variety of reasons. There really wasn't the software available, for one thing, and also the computing power was limited. Now we have a combination of uh, good software and also um, computing power, or at least, um, you know, there should be. I mean, some people are saying that there really isn't enough computing power for uh, AI, the AI infrastructure that we're trying to ramp up here. But regardless, I have uh, written about this subject, and I also wrote about it in my essays, you know, dating back quite a few years and talking about the potential rise of artificial intelligence and what that could mean in terms of our economics and specifically uh, discussing the fact that if we have a stress um, put on the economy from AI, meaning that a lot of people are displaced by AI, then uh, we might need to supplement people's incomes with some kind of a basic income guarantee. And I'm not the only one who's talked about this. I mean, uh, we've had political... uh, uh, presidential candidate Andrew Yang talked about it for uh, the last uh, election cycle. Oh, yeah, he was talking about basic income guarantee. You know, people have been thinking about AI and the economic impact on it, of, of AI on people. But also I wrote a, an essay uh, about, you know, really speaking to the issues of what you might call transhumanism. Transhumanism being... Uh, a counterpoint to what you might call humanism and uh, or spirituality, you might say, I guess. Uh, the point being is, is that uh, transhumanism inve- you know, envisions a future where there's sort of a, uh, an interface with technology where human beings are interfaced with technology and uh, really tapped into and become part of the technical infrastructure. For example, you can imagine ChatGPT uh, will initially be an assistant that you have on your desktop, similar to Google. Um, but it is possible that, you know, you could actually in the future see devices that are wired into your um, into your body. They could allow you to prompt uh, ChatGPT, you know, through some kind of a biological process uh, that would determine your thoughts. Uh, this is completely, you know, I'm really not an expert at this. I'm, I'm just conjecturing. But I think probably if you looked it up, there, there's, you know, some 
thinkers that are you know believe that in the future we may we might have certainly a technical human interface that this falls under the rubric of transhumanism. I think that a, a counter proposal for the future of humanity uh, has come out of India, and and this goes back many thousands of years. And I'll call it the the yogi's vision for the future, uh, an alternative vision for the future. Uh, it's different from a technical uh, vision for the future. And basically what the yogis are proposing, what the yogis are telling us, is that the human body uh, itself is, is really an undiscovered country uh, per Shakespeare. An, an undiscovered country of potential. The yogis have used various techniques of yoga. Uh, we all think of yoga being hatha yoga, meaning the yogic postures. But yoga from the wider perspective really has to do with practices uh, that lead to a state of moksha or enlightenment. And uh, the yogis are proposing a different path for humanity. And some people that have a spiritual inclination, uh, you know, might become interested in this path and, 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 and follow it. Basically, they could look for a teacher or teachers to help them along the way. Basically, you know, I've noticed in my life that, that people do uh, tend to bifurcate along spiritual or materialistic lines, uh, even though the, 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 you know, the difference between the two, in my mind at least, becomes, uh, you know, not so much. I mean, really, to me, the, the secular and the spiritual is just words. I mean, um, you know, you can be teaching uh, high school kids uh, uh, playwriting, which I've done recently, and that to me was a profoundly spiritual experience. It wasn't necessarily, you know, uh, discussed that way in class. But for me, it was a beautiful thing to be able to to teach uh, kids about playwriting and the, and the Western tradition of playwriting as it come, came out of the Greeks and the Greeks being, uh, you know, historically uh, really the humanists of, of the group. That said, the Greeks uh, form of humanism, uh, where that's ended up in the modern world uh, through the evolution of the Western tradition and the Western notions of enlightenment, which I've discussed in, in other podcasts, where that has ended up really is in the technical revolution. I mean, that's the, that's the manifestation of that line of thinking recently. So broadly speaking, you can, you can look at this uh, transhumanism uh, as opposed to the yogic vision as a, as a dialogue between East and West, really. A dialogue, you might say, between India and the Greeks, because the Greeks uh, are the ones who really started the Western tradition through, uh, eventually through Rome and Europe, and of course spreading out through Christianity throughout the world. And then the the uh, the in, in India it was a completely different path uh, of the the yogis and the teachers, and eventually uh, winding up in the traditions of of the Hindu and Vedic philosophy and Buddhism, Buddhism. Um, Shakyamuni Buddha, uh, who really propagated the notions of Buddhism throughout the world and particularly throughout Asia uh, and eventually through the West as well recently. And mindfulness is, is in fact a manifestation of the Buddha's thinking uh, in terms of, a, you know, brought to a Western context and really reconciled 
you might say, with the West through uh, mindfulness teachers like Tara Brock and Jack Kornfield, who I've studied with. So they're psychologists. They're trained in Western psychology. You know, there can be points of reconciliation between East and West. And Buddhism is, I, I think, one of them because of its scientific approach. It's very analytical approach to notions of what reality is. But in the East, in, in Hindu philosophy, in, uh, in, in, in uh, mystic traditions, um, oftentimes you'll look to the, the other dimensions, the, the gods and the goddesses, and factor in heavily into this uh, belief system. The goal of humanity really becomes to elevate oneself to the realm of the gods, uh, to the realm of the omniscient and the omnipotent and the omnipresent. Those, those are the qualities of, of, of the divine, uh, as stated in the yogic philosophy. Um, those same qualities are attempted by proxy through technology. Um, so you might say AI is, in a sense, a technical uh, attempt at omniscience. You know, it's very interesting, I think, and, and, and I do believe that transhumanism is really an attempt to uh, really take some of the impulses, spiritual impulses of human beings and meld them with uh, technology, meld them with science, really. So where do we end up? What we end up with in our debate between transhumanism and humanism is, uh, I think, the need for a reconciliation. And I'm going to propose uh, another level uh, of this dialogue, which is the earth. The earth, you might say, uh, as a sentient uh, being, or, or certainly uh, the earth as an emblem of a wholeness. You have the round earth, which is one earth, and these ideas of, of binary ideas of one thing as opposed to the other or in conflict with the other, these are all human ideas. I mean, this is not the way that the earth is. The earth simply exists and supports as the sky supports, the sun shines down on the humanist and the sun shines down on the transhumanist. The earth supports both. What the earth and what the sky is telling us is that all can be subsumed, all can be accepted in a way, um, even though various parties within the camps might, you know, say, well, the other is not good. You know, the humanists will be saying that transhumanism is not good and vice versa. But how do we reconcile the two? Can we reconcile the two? And I think this is a big debate that's open, uh, you know, and it, it, it in many ways will shape the future. Uh, part of it is, is, is economically driven because transhumanism is, is finally at the end of the day, um, if you look at it honestly, uh, is going to be about some kind of economic motive, uh, some kind of pe you know, person or people selling a product, some kind of person or people wanting people to do something so that they can make money off of it. Um, you know, whether that's through a technology startup that goes IPO or, or you know, whatever. These, this is the motivation. Uh, with, with humanism, with the yogis, their, their motivation is human freedom. So the intention is different. So that, that's really my, 
the basic, uh, you know, argument I would have, I think, with transhumanism is I think if you trace it back, the motivation uh, will be economic, uh, you know, about 99% of the time. There's some kind of an economic motivation behind the urge to try to get people to plug into these various um, technical realities, even though they're trying to serve as a proxy, you might say, a proxy to the yogic uh, and spiritual traditions uh, that lead humanity uh, in, in its impulse to the divine, to uh, you know human potential that takes us to another level of human consciousness. So I'll leave it at that. That's hopefully not too uh, heavy and heady for this uh, random podcast thought about, uh, you know, are humans relevant anymore? I think so. <laughs> I think they're relevant, um, but AI might be stressing that out a little bit. You know, AI might be having a lot of his question, are we relevant? Because we identify with our jobs and maybe some of our jobs are in peril because of AI. But we can always meditate, we can always recite mantras, and we can always look to alternative ways to find meaning outside of our traditional Western methods of uh, job and country and religion and so on. Uh, so again, I'll leave it at that. And thanks a lot for listening. Uh, and I look forward to the next podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.